What's good, y'all? How y'all doing on this wonderful evening? Okay. Today is Monday, 24th, January 24th. Let's not forget the month. Today's January 24th, 2022. I hope you guys have had a good weekend. Hope you guys had a productive day. We are in full swing of 2022. Um, so I hope that your goals are on the way uh, or you are putting, beginning to put things in motion. I know sometimes starting our goals takes some time, but that's okay because we still have 11 more months to get it together and make this year the best year that we have lived thus far. Anyways, coming into today's episode, I feel like today, this episode is going to be a two-parter because there's a lot to unpack. And this is also a topic that can give way for lots of ranting, right? Um, But today is really going to be about a personal experience. And a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about today is my own personal experience. I will put in some of the things that I have seen over the last couple of months, some of the topics, I mean, some of the conversations concerning this topic um, that are being held right now. So I will be put in a place of um, shedding light, right? Um, Not new light, just expanding the light that's already being shown. And hopefully I can just kind of open a door. I don't know what door or break down another door. I don't know what what exactly my goal for this episode is other than to really just shed light. And then what you do with the information I feel is is personal, you know, preference, right? Um just because this is really more so about my experience. Um so I'm going to be talking about what what it's like, what it has been like, what it is like to be a black woman in America. I feel like my experience is a very interesting experience because there's a lot of things that as a black person, just in general, I didn't really learn until well into my 20s. Um, I'd want to say maybe 24, 25-ish. And it is very different than the average story that you hear. Uh, Most of the time, I've never heard a story like mine. I never am able to relate to the people that are around me when we have this conversation. Um, So I always get these weird reactions. Understandable though, but sometimes I always, it never, it always makes me feel out of place, but never makes me feel so out of place that I'm just like, well, I guess I'm just not going to talk anymore or ashamed that I haven't gone through what most people have gone through or experienced. Um, And in no form of fashion, when I discuss uh, some of the other conversations that I've heard, Um, concerning this particular topic um, means that just because I haven't gone through it, that it doesn't happen because I do believe that it does happen. Um, But we're just going to get into it. Just my experience being a black woman, like I said, has been very interesting. I kind of want to start because one of the things that I learned when I was 24, okay, and just go with me here. 
Um, one of the things that I realized, no, I wasn't 24. I was 20. It, it, the seed was planted when I was about 21 or 22, I believe. Uh, I want to say about 22. I did not realize, okay, (laughs) everyone always is like, what? I didn't realize that I was black until I was in a college course, English course. And we were having a discussion on what it just kind of what it means to be black in America. And I'm in a, I'm in a class because um, this I was a part of a program called Emoja, which is a state or a state ran organization in community colleges in California, uh, where it's it helps you while you're in your community college journey. Um, and so it's a it's a learning community and it's from an African-American uh, or African diaspora uh, um point of view. So it's an amazing program. Um, and so everything you do is just related around blackness from the curriculum to the materials that you, uh, use in your classes and just conversation in general, you don't have to be a black person or, um, identify as black or African-American to be a part of the particular program at, you know, the different community colleges statewide. You just want, you just have to be in a position to want to learn about it, about, things from the black perspective. Anyways, when I was back home in the Bay Area, I was going to a community college and my I was uh, enrolled in a class that I didn't know was a part of the Emoji program. Once I had learned that it was a part of the Emoji program, um, they told me that, you know, I have to register in other courses also um, just because it's a part of the program. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I just needed this particular English class. And this was one of the last ones that was not full. So um, anyways, we're in class and we're having this conversation. And that was when that was when the, the seed was really planted in my head that I really didn't understand that I was black. It wasn't until I got to um, Southwestern College, which is a college that I ended up graduating from with my associate's degree, whoop, whoop. Um, and so I was in again in the Emoja program. And so we were having a conversation. This is in the height of police brutality. And so we're having conversation in the classroom. I forgot what started it, but it came to the point where, um, you know, we started talking about how people were responding to police growing up and the fears that we all had. At that particular point was when it dawned on me that I was black. Not only am I black, but I'm a black woman, right? And certain things that I never, ever, ever in my life had to pay attention to now is at the forefront of my mind all the time. Right. And so, (laughs) so, um, this, and it also brought out a lot of my privilege that I had because of my upbringing, um, and the dealings that I had with, you know, so my socioeconomic class that I was in, you know, growing up and things of the nature. So, um, you know, and at that point I, 
had never had issues with police. I never experienced racism. I had never seen racism up front and close, um, you know, and things like that. I had never, you know, uh, experienced it in the job place or, you know, in the workplace and just uh, things like that. And someone, I remember somebody questioned me. They're like, well, maybe you just didn't know. And it was like a microaggression. No, I can honestly say that I've never experienced racism. Uh, so <laughs> even growing up and going to the high school that I did, I lived in a predominantly white area, went to a predominantly white school my entire life, um, except for my 10th grade year when I lived in Vegas. But that was my life growing up. So there were a lot of things that I was not accustomed to. Now, going back to the class my the English class that I took at the college back home, uh, my first Emoja class, a lot of the students were talking about their experience with being Black in America and being discriminated against and things like that. And, you know, just like their experience, just their experiences. And I always sat back and was like, yo, I've never had to experience that. And I felt so weird in that moment because everybody in the class was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so <laughs> it was weird, you know what I mean? Um, and so at that point, so kind of coming to, right, I realized at 24 that I was black. Not only that, but I was a black woman. And the part that the the piece of of it in my experience at Southwestern College that put me and shifted me completely was I was, um, I was cool with, at the time he was, uh, I think it's the chief officer of, uh, diversity at San Diego, um, what San Diego state university. Um, and so he, uh, his name is, uh, Dr. Aaron Bruce, I believe one of the dopest men, um, that I have met thus far, um, outside of all of the other amazing dope people that I've met, but, uh, he had, he had a program, uh, where, uh, we went to San Diego international airport and we went and took a tour of the airport authorities. And so when we went, there were, there was a panel, um, interview and discussion that was also available. I was able to go on this trip twice. Um, even though I wasn't at San Diego state, um, I was connected with Dr. Aaron Bruce at the time. And so I was able to go on this trip. The first time was pretty cool. I connected with some people there. Um, but the second time that I went was the, was the trip that changed my life forever and how I looked at myself as a black woman in society, um, and, and going through education and going, you know, being in the workforce and things like that. So as I was going the second time around, there was a, um, the, the panel interview is a lot of execs from different airlines or different, um, departments within the airport and things like that. And so, um, one of them was a, a gentleman, a black man. He was the only black person on the panel. Um, and so uh, he was, I believe, uh, the president of British Airlines or something like that. Um, and so, or an executive for the airlines. But they give you all of the bios of the people that are going to be on the panel. I read this man's bio and he just had all kind of stuff, degrees and certificates and was a part of all kind of, you know, different boards and just, he had a whole lot. And in my mind, right at the time I was like, 
I had only planned on going as far as getting my associate's degree. No, I had been, I had been talked into working, going forward and transferring after I got my AS and going uh, to get my bachelor's and transfer onto university, right? So at that point in my mind, I was like, I only need a bachelor's degree. Like I don't need to do anything. I'll get my BA and I'll go back into the workforce and do whatever. So when we got there to the airport um, on the trip, got to the airport authorities, we're sitting down, we're getting ready to have the panel interview. You know, people are starting to ask questions. I, the question was just burning. And I asked the man, I said, hey, I read your bio and I saw that you have so many, you know, things under your belt. Why did you feel the need to have to do all of these things? And why did you feel the need to have to get all of these degrees and certifications and whatever, whatever? Because to me, it seems like a lot. This man looked me dead in my face with all of the panel being majority white. I think there was like one Asian female and said, I have to make sure that I'm better than my other counterparts. When I tell y'all, I, I wasn't saying that I was embarrassed. I was blown away. The fact that he was bold enough to sit there and say that he is already at a disadvantage because he's black, because he did say that. He said, and I want to make sure that I am always one, two, three, four steps ahead of my non-black counterparts. And at that point, when I tell you, I went home and I laid in my bed that night and I sat and I thought about it and I was like, yo homie has a point. And at this point, I think I was 24, maybe 25. And I sat and I realized, I was like, yo, I don't live at home anymore. I don't have the privilege of being under my mom anymore. When I walk out into the world, no one sees the privileged, the middle class. There's no middle class written across my forehead. There's no privileged silver spoon tattooed on my face. When I walk out into the public, I am just another black face that they see. I'm just another black woman that they see. And so I have to once again, prove myself because I'm no longer attached to the success and the status and the socioeconomic class that my mom was able to provide for me when I was a child. So at that point, I was like, oh my God, I have to make my own way in this world now. Like I legit have to think about race. I have to, I have to remember that I'm black in everything that I do. It's so mind blowing. It was so mind blowing to me at that point. Anyways, so like I said, that was the that was the time that I realized that I was black. <laughs> now, jumping full-fledged into this whole thing of black womanhood, growing up, when it comes to beauty standards, okay, growing up, I was teased. Um, I was teased a lot. Not because I was black, but because the, the common, the common uh, jokes that I had were um, that I looked like a monkey and that I was fat. So those were the things that I heard growing up. Um, I never had a boyfriend growing up. I never really had people who were interested in me. I was the girl. I was the girl who was every, like all the guys' best friend. Like I was one of the homies 
I, I don't know how I got to that place, but I always was the homie. I was never, um, you know, the girl that people was interested in. So my entire adolescence, I never dated. I didn't talk to anybody. Uh, when I got into college, um, or when I, right after I graduated from high school, there were two people that I had entertained, but it was nothing more than what it was. I didn't have my first relationship until I was, until 2019. Okay. Um, that was the first time I had a boyfriend, someone who, uh, actually wanted to date me. I had talked to a lot of people. I had entertained a lot of people. Um, and it was weird because when I moved to San Diego in 2013, that was when I got a lot of attention for weird. It was weird being thrusted into a brand new place. Um, I was 22 and now I'm getting all of this attention from men that I had never experienced before. And it was weird because at that point I had gotten to a place in my life where um, I was, I was able to hang with the best of them. Right. And so all the jokes, um, if you're not familiar, law enforcement and like related areas are very male dominated. So conversations that you have, I don't care who you're talking to. They're very inappropriate. You know, so if you don't have the jokes or if you don't have the cojones to handle conversation, you're going to be eaten alive. So I was able to hang with the best of them because that's just how I learned that I had to be to just, you know, not feel so outsider-ish. Um, so I started to get a lot of male attention, um, a lot of, um, as we call them, situationships, entanglements, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I dealt with a lot of people. I talked to a lot of people. Um, but as far as being a person who was um, actually wanted to commit to me, I never had that until 2019. So going through that and having to understand these beauty standards that are here today, you know, is very weird. Um, I never had, I never felt confident in myself. I always, um, you know, I had gotten to a place where I was, in the position where I, you know, I was okay for someone to deal with me physically, but I was not okay for someone who, you know, that wanted to actually, um, be with me because they wanted to be with me. Uh, I had a situation where a guy, he had expressed, he wanted a relationship, but I ended up finding out homie was engaged. So that ended very quickly. Um, because in my mind, I thought we were dating and moving towards, you know, a relationship until I found out that he was engaged um, after he lied about it. I was like, wow, homie, you're weird. Anyways, so <laughs> so, um, so that was something that I dealt with. I always hated how I looked. Um, I felt like, you know, if I was smaller, I would be okay. You know, if I had a bigger butt, I would be cool. If I knew how to do my makeup, I would be okay. But all of these things never really mattered. Um, I never really cared enough to really work on those things. So I kind of came, became complacent. Um, and so, um, but once again, I never really had experience 
being in positions where people didn't want to date me because I was black. So I don't have that experience. So I can't say that it's, you know, um, it's something that I had experienced because I hadn't. Now, if that was the intentions, they were never shared, or if that was how people felt, it was never expressed to me. But I was, I had found myself in a position where I was, um, I, like I said, people never wanted to necessarily date me uh, or be in a relationship with me, but, you know, I was good for other things. So, so that was my experience as I started to move down into, um, you know, down when uh, started to move through life when I moved down to San Diego. Another thing that happened that was very intriguing was when I, um, you know, went back to school. I had a lot of friends that were very pretty. And I don't know how on earth uh, <laughs> I got that, I, I got in that position, but I always had the really cute friends. Um, and I don't hate them for it because, I mean, shoot. I'm all right with it, but it it's weird being in that position that you have, you know, very beautiful friends and then there's you. Um, and then once again, I found myself in a position where I was like the homie to all the guys that were around. Uh, I even had one guy. I remember in one of my communications courses, I had a crush on this guy. I didn't know he had a girlfriend at the time, but <laughs> we were... <laughs> During this class session, we were uh, doing our speeches. We had to do a persuasive speech. And so I gave my persuasive speech. I did what I needed to do. And after class, um, me and this guy were cool. We were, because we sat by each other, we were typically always partners when we had to do group work. But um, after class, he was like, yo, you're amazing. You know, you, you'd be the perfect person, you know, like the perfect girlfriend and this and the third. And in my head, I was like, yes, because I'm about to holla at you. And then he hit me with the, I'm going to have to tell my girlfriend, you know, to listen to you. And I was like, wow, <laughs> way to crush my dreams. And he did the whole, you know, how are you still single and just this whole thing. And I was like, wow, way to kill my whole spirit. Because at that moment, you made me realize how single I was again. So um, that was, <laughs> that was um, how, you know, that happened. And I was like, wow, okay, whatever. So, um, you know, I, I always found myself in those positions as well. So after I graduated and left, um, I didn't really, I kind of stayed to myself because I was always at work and things like that. Um, kind of dated here and there. But... Um, once again, I just, I've always found myself in very odd situations. I'm not sure why I always found myself getting hit on by married men, which was weird. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of how my experience with, um, that whole kind of dating scene. Uh, and then I locked my hair. Okay. Started my lock journey, um, in 2017. And that was a whole nother kind of like experience because I had to, I got comfortable with who I was. Um, but when you go through the journey of locking your hair, you really go through a whole new identity crisis and realization and victory kind of moment. So I went through that. And when I started my log journey, that's when my dating life started booming. And I mean, I was dating some very handsome men. They were like, oh, you're so beautiful, this, that, and that. And I was like, wow, where have y'all been? But 
it was a very odd because there were, you know, this is at the point where men with like real careers and like goal driven and have things prepared for their life just started coming out of the woodworks. And so at that moment, I was like, wow, okay. So I kind of had this moment where I was like, I can't be that bad. I kind of learned more about myself as a black woman, starting to love myself, love my hair the way it's growing out of my head, finding my inner beauty, you know, not really listening to the outside world. I'm like, all right, cool. I started getting back into the gym and things like that. And so, yeah, <laughs> so that kind of, kind of kickstart something. And then I found my, um, at the time, uh, started dating my ex and he opened my eyes to a whole new world. And that is, I'm going to, he's going to be the transition because at that point, so some years back, just side note, some years pr back, I had made a joke because I'm a person who I've, have built every piece of furniture that I've ever owned, except for two um, that I just had gotten. I've built every piece of furniture. I fixed everything. If there was something that was wrong in like my house or my apartment, I fixed it. You know, I have learned, I have learned how to be my own handyman. Right. And so I got to a place, I forgot what I had to do. I had to put something together and, oh, it was a bed frame and it took me forever to figure it out. But from that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make an app called Rent-A-Husband. So when people need stuff work, what? When people need work done or stuff done around their house or just need a man to come and do it, they can just go on the app rent a husband for a day and have that man come and do the guy guy doesn't necessarily have to be a husband but you know they can come do whatever work that that needs to be done for you you know you pay them and go on about your way because at that moment i realized i am a strong independent black woman and i can do it all by myself but i do not want to do it all by myself <laughs> I don't want to do it all by myself. If I don't have to do it and my husband can come and do it, whoever he is, baby, come and do it. Okay. Listen, I need my oil changed. I need the lawn mold. I need something. Can you please come and do this? I am not ashamed to be like, Hey, I don't want to do it. I would prefer not to do it. Um, if a man can come and do it, baby, that man need to come and do it. Okay. Um, that was that moment where I was like, if I ain't got to, and my man's is going to do it, then let my man's do it. And I will be happily in the kitchen making that man a sandwich. And if he want free, uh, fresh squeezed lemonade, baby, I will fresh squeeze some lemonade or make some sweet tea. And I'm bringing it to you on a platter. Okay. Don't get, don't get, listen, I'm strong and I'm independent, but I also understand that I don't want to do it all the time. And if a, there's a man that's willing to come into my life, that's going to do it for me, baby, by all means, come and do it. Because this is being strong and independent. I saw this video and this lady said being strong, uh, somebody telling you that you're a strong, independent black woman is not a compliment. And by, by golly me, do not compliment me because it's not what it's cracked up to be.
And I promise you, it's not a place that you should ever aspire to be. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, you want to be able to be independent as a person. You want to be able to take care of yourself and the you know the things and the responsibilities that you have. You want to be able to handle it. But having to carry the burden of being a strong black woman is very difficult, okay? It is so difficult. And quite frankly, I hate it, okay? I hate it and I don't want it. I, I don't mind being independent. I don't mind being strong because sometimes we got to be strong to go through life because adulting sucks and life happens. But this whole idea of being a strong black woman, I ain't got time. I mean, I, I'm going to have to make time, but I'm not just about to set time away because I that's just my life go. Okay. Anyways, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all we have for this episode. We're going to stop it there because things about to get juicy, y'all. Things about to get juicy. Um, So <laughs> I told y'all this going to have to be a two-parter. Uh, but yeah, being a strong Black woman is not all that it's cracked up to be. And next week, we're going to talk about, I'm really going to deep, deep what? I'm going to dig deep into why. And that's where I'm going to really start giving you some of my experience, more deep experience as to why it's not the greatest. So I love y'all. I love y'all. And if somebody, if you got somebody in your life, get up and go tell them that you love them too. But first and foremost, go tell yourself in the mirror that you love yourself. Because if you don't love you, can't nobody else love you. All right. Come back next week, bright and early at 7 p.m. Eastern Center Time. Okay, that is 6 p.m. Central Center Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay, next Monday, next Monday, which is let me give you the day, honey, which is the 31st. Come back January 31st, and we're gonna finish this and, and we're gonna talk about some real stuff. All right, love y'all. Bye.